Hey everybody, this is Proverbs 31 Mamas, and we are so excited to have you here today for this new episode. Hi, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> so last week we did my story, and this week we are going to do Rachel's story. And I'm super excited about this. How about you? Excited? Nervous? I'm weirdly nervous. That's okay. That's all right. We can work <laughs> with that. I I normally have no problem um, talking about my journey and where I've been and everything. Um, this seems scary, but in a good way. Stage fright. It happens to us all. <laughs> yeah, Mike Fright. Is it Mike Fright if Mike I'm not fright. on stage? Yeah, I guess it can't be stage fright because no one's actually looking at you. So I guess it would have to be Mike Fright. I've never heard of that before, but yeah, I mean, that is totally a thing. I've done well in situations where I've had to be on stage. This is still scarier than that. <laughs> uh, it, it gets better, right? Yes. It'll be it'll be good. Well, um, and again, we really just want to say thank you. We've had so many people come up to us and just comment, and um, that really means a lot. So it really, really means a lot. And we just want to say thank you again. And we're still definitely trying to figure out all of our little, you know, the days that we're going to do it. Um, I think that we might have figured that out, though. Are we going to do Thursdays? Yes, we took a poll and it looks like that people have spoken. Um, new episodes will come out every Thursday. Okay, well, with that being said, I guess we should probably just start with your life story, Rachel. Uh, do you want to start? Where are you from? I am so I don't know if we've if we've mentioned it to anyone who doesn't know us and doesn't like isn't super familiar with us right now uh you and I are both in beautiful northern Michigan um that's Currently not where I'm from yeah <laughs> um I am like I said in one of the previous episodes I'm a downstate transplant um, I was born and raised in Belleville, Michigan, which is pretty close to the Metro Detroit airport. It's kind of in between Ann Arbor and the airport. Right. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I struggled in preparation for this because I'm like, where do you start? This is my life. Sto- well, this is my life story, but also like how much stuff is too much stuff. <laughs> like I've got a lot of stuff um, and I'm willing to share just about all of it. So I guess, I don't know. We'll start with the big one when we're talking about me being born, I guess. Um, I was adopted at birth. Um, so right from the hospital. Downstate? Directly- were you yes. adopted from downstate from Michigan though? Yeah. 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 From Michigan. Um, I was born at University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor and I was adopted directly. Like I went home from the hospital with the parents that I call mom and dad, the ones that got me through all the way to adulthood. Um, awesome. So it was, it was right off the bat. But it is an important part of, of my story. So Okay, and then so did you live downstate your whole life? Are you um... 99% of it? And that 1% was um, 
when we didn't when, when I didn't live downstate, I actually lived in Colorado for about a year. Okay. Um so tell we'll us get there childhood. <laughs> My childhood. Um <clears throat> overall, I mean it wasn't always butterflies and rainbows um it was myself and my mom and dad I was raised an only child I technically I am not an only child but I was raised an only child um just me my mom my dad our dog um always had a dog growing up um I started out in public school, an elementary school. I made it to about third grade and <laughs> it's not, it's not like haha funny, but it's, um, I think I struggled in school, which again, we'll get to this. Now I understand why. Um, <clears throat> but I struggled in school in the sense that I got in trouble for talking all the time um if you know me you're probably like yeah no kidding like that's that's not news um I was bored in school um I know my mom tried to talk to the teachers and the principal to see if they would put me into the next grade and that would never happen um, they, they wouldn't do it for whatever reason, even though I like the work I was doing wasn't challenging enough. So I think the turning point was third grade. Um, I had just gotten glasses. Uh, another thing about me as I'm super duper blind <laughs> and, um, I had just gotten glasses and there was this girl in another class on the playground. Um, she, and it was 1990 eight nine yeah so they were and like they would be so cool now but at the time and like they were round like the frames were round wire frames and they were purple Ooh. <laughs> um, which I do feel like would be cool again now but at the time apparently it wasn't because this girl told me that my glasses were stupid and um mm, I've always funny. been I've always been a witty woman, so my response was, uh, no, you're stupid. And the next day, she had, like, three of her friends um, literally beat me up on the playground. Um, and I, I came home with, like, marks um, from that, and my, my mother was just livid. Um, and we went down to the school the next morning, and she pulled me out, and that was that. That was it. Um the principal at the time was on the playground and um, just saw it happen, but didn't really do anything to stop it. And my mom had had enough. So out of, well, out of public school, sort of, I went, I went into a charter school after that, which is still, I mean, it's kind of a public school. Um, right. But, but a little like, different. it's a public school with uniforms and like, it was, it was a different environment. Um, we had to have our shirts tucked in all the time. And um, it was very strongly encouraged that everyone was friends with everyone. And, like, peace was a big um, 
a big thing. Like we were all just trying to be like peaceful and, and, and kind to one another. Um, so from third grade to fifth grade, that's where I went to a charter school. And, um, I think it helped. There were program, there was a program called ACEs. I think it was, additional care I think it stood for <laughs> additional care for exceptional students uh, so and it was like too too cool for school is what you're saying you're too smart n- well no I think it gave me the right kind of challenge like the right kind of challenges that I yes. needed um and so I finally like I did well um for those few years and then once it came time for middle school um my mom decided that it would be best to try public school again. Okay. Um, the, this particular charter school, once you got to the middle school and high school, um, I don't know. I mean, they kids from all over the place. It was, it was just not a, there were a lot of troubled kids with troubled situations um it just wasn't the greatest environment and so she made the decision to put me in um public school for middle school um and I say she it was it was I'm sure it was probably both of my parents um the year between I'm jumping around a lot this is I'm gonna try not to jump around so much (laughs) um the year between fourth and fifth grade Um, It was mostly just me and my mom. Um, My dad, which I'm going to preface this by saying that this year, um, this past September, was 21 years. The 21st anniversary of my dad's sobriety. That's amazing. Um, It is. And it is. He will tell any just about anyone that is it is the closest thing to a miracle that you'll probably ever see. Um, so during that period, um, he had gotten in an accident on his way to work, a car accident, um, under the influence. And that was a rough year for my mom and I, he went to, he was put in work release, um, in Oakland County, which is where he would, um, just like, it's in the name. They would, uh, let him out to go to work. And then he would come right back and be in, I hate the word incarcerated, but, um, and we would visit every Saturday and it was his rock bottom and it was not the way that my mom and I wanted to be spending our time either at that point, but it was a very important turning point for him. And I'm so proud of him. I, I doubt that my parents will ever listen to this, but technology um (laughs) it is i mean it's worth mentioning because it was like i said my it wasn't all butterflies and rainbows um it is difficult if you've had a parent or any loved one that has struggled with any kind of substance abuse then you know that it's a difficult road and not all stories end that way but i am very proud that he i believe that god led him to hit rock bottom because that was the only way to go from there was up Um, that's amazing so yeah it is and I'm I'm very proud of him um so then right around the point where he would have been getting done with all that and leaving that 
behind him um, was my transition into middle school when I went back to public school, which was Ooh, so fun. a jungle. Um, like I went from a school <laughs> where like we had to be nice to each other um, to like public school where like I was the new kid in sixth grade. I knew some people only because once a few other parents from the charter school I was at had the same idea to pull their kids and put them in the same public school. Um, but also in the town that I grew up in, I was raised in kind of raised in the um, Roman Catholic church. I went to catechism in the church in our town and a lot of the kids from catechism ended up going to this school as well. So I knew some kids, but I wasn't really friends with any of them. Okay. Um, now, did you so know I them was... in church too? Did you guys, did, you know, um, from, did you know them in church as well or um, just at school? In church as well, because that's something I did up through eighth grade. Oh. Um, so like I had known them, we started, I think you started in first or second grade, right around the time you'd make your first communion was right. like seven years old. Um, so from then until eighth grade, when we made our confirmations, yeah. like I had known those kids, but when I went to a different school, like I wasn't with them, I was with them like at church and then that was it. But then once I went back to public school in a different district is when I started seeing all those kids from catechism at church and at school. Oh, it's okay. confusing. And I oh, am, sure. I feel like I'm bouncing. I'm a bouncer guys. God has made me a rambler for some reason. I haven't figured out why yet at 31. I still don't know why, but he made me a rambler. So I'm trying, I'm going to try not to ramble too much. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. That's, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to, you know, you're trying to think back to all these things, things in your life and it's very difficult to be like well wait when was this when was that you know that's totally normal okay so and I, I do feel like I have a lot of stuff I have a lot of stuff that's made me who I am so it's trying to sift through it all oh yeah <laughs> so middle school you're in middle school now right yes Which yep is- um yeah it didn't it didn't go so great in the beginning um I was the new kid and like most of these kids had gone to school together since preschool. Um, and so it was kind of hard to figure out where I fit in and who I fit in with. Um, and kids are mean. Kids are so mean. And Ooh. I don't know. I just remember this. This was like sixth grade. So I was new. Um, I had maybe a couple of friends. I made friends with a girl in my homeroom English class. Um, who I'm still friends with to this day. Um, we've seen each other through both of our weddings and um, mm. me having my kids. And um, so shout out to Courtney. Her name's Courtney. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, but other than that, I remember this one time in sixth grade, I went into the bathroom at school and this group of girls that like they would act like they wanted to be my friend but then when I was with them they weren't super nice to me I don't know it was almost like a hazing it was like a fraternity it was the weirdest thing I went into the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom stall just minding my own business and these girls come in the bathroom behind me 
and they go and they wet a bunch of paper towels, wadded them up into balls, and were just lobbing them over the like the walls of the bathroom stall at me while I was just in there trying to like you know use the bathroom. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, what is this? What is ha- like? Why are these people so mean? Yeah. Um. And obviously, it it took a while to find the right people, but you know, I found him eventually. I I was never one of those ones who had like a huge circle of friends, but I had a small circle of what I would lovingly refer to as weirdos, just like me. (laughs) Um, and I made it. I mean, I made it through. Yeah. No. Hey, and that's all. You know what? Middle school, high school, those are just very difficult years. That is very difficult years. Um, so that's okay. You made it through and look at you now. I made it through and I was, by the time I got to high school, I was a really, I look back and I'm like, I was so annoying. <laughs> um, now, what was were a... you voted for in high school, Rachel? Oh, I was, okay. Um, I was runner up. I didn't win. Okay. Uh, second place uh senior you know your senior your mock elections or whatever you know cutest couple best smile best hair blah 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 i was runner up class clown i love it <laughs> i love it Who I, to be I didn't couple? Win, why not be but vice president I was, right yeah i was an honorable <laughs> mention i guess for class clown um which i remember someone from journalism or someone from somewhere in school came to me and was like hey you're like nominated for one of these things and I was like well which one and they're like well we can't tell you but we're gonna go out in the hallway and take a picture of you it's gonna be part of a slideshow for this assembly and I was like okay cool and I went home and I I was thinking at the time that like it was gonna be most talkative because when I say I was annoying like I was annoying (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm a little bit better now but it was even worse then um and I was so I was so stoked about it and I went home and told my parents and they were furious. Oh no. <laughs> they were like, that is not what you want to be like, that's not something you should be proud of. Well, I think you're very witty and I do not think you are at all weird. So if that helps at all. Well, I I think I've 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 toned down just a little bit. Um I can as an adult, I can see where the weirdness and the annoyingness came from. Like now I know what I recognize it for what it is and what it was at the time, which again we'll we'll get there in the this, in this story. Yeah. It's I those awkward years. I don't know. <laughs> I, I made it though. I made it. I I graduated high school. Um You made it through. You made it I to did. the finish line. It. You graduated. You did what you're supposed to do. Yeah, pretty good grades. Uh, good. Was never much of a rule breaker. I had a curfew. I stuck to it. Um, I played with some just some little interesting tidbits about me. Well, maybe they're not interesting. I don't know. Uh, I played varsity golf all four years of high school. Wow. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Uh, wow. I've never even played golf except for mini golf. <laughs> I, um, it was something I started with, I, yeah, I started playing with my dad when I was, I don't know, we would go to the driving range. I think I was like maybe 
nine or 10 or something. We'd every once in a while we'd hit golf balls and then the opportunity came up to sign up. Um, and there were so few kids like girls that wanted to play that we all just made varsity in like ninth grade. It was, yeah. Um, and I, my mom was so excited when I, when I decided to do this because she was like, if you keep playing golf, for the rest of your life, then, you know, if you want to be, because at the time I wanted to be a nurse when I, when I graduated high school, she was like, you'll, you'll just, you'll become a nurse and you'll play golf and then you'll meet a handsome rich doctor and you'll be able to play golf. And I was like, (laughs) okay, mom, Uh, that's like, that's, I, I didn't do that. I ended up doing like the opposite of all that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I played varsity golf. I played tennis. Oh, so I played like preppy kids sports. Um, my school was like terrible at everything. So, um, it's not really anything to be super proud of. Um, and I was also in jazz band in my senior year. Really? I played the piano. Yeah, I played the, I've, I've played quite a few musical instruments, um, in the course of my, I started piano when I was six. Um, wow. I would have started sooner, but my hands were too small. The teacher wouldn't let me until my hands got bigger. Um, <laughs> and then I learned the guitar and wow. the violin. And can you still play all of them? Uh, I could probably try. Okay. <laughs> it's been a really long time, but yeah. I, right. I, um, yeah, at one point, now I'm thinking about this, like piano, I went through a piano teacher who like was involved in competition. Like I did competitive, like I would do piano competitions. It was a whole, really, it was a whole thing. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that for a minute, but yeah, I was really, really into piano for a while. Did a couple of talent shows in high school um, and then joined the, the jazz band. I was the, the pianist in the jazz band in my senior year. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. cool. Now, well, what about your now husband when did you meet Tim uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't you know what I don't actually remember meeting him he was just always around yeah because you lived um, down the street from him correct is that right yes uh so my dad and my now father-in-law went to high school together they graduated from high school together um so they were friends and so like my parents and his parents were friends long before we were even thought of. And our parents lived eight houses down. We've counted many times, eight houses down from one another. So I, he was just kind of always around. Um, obviously my dad didn't have a son. He had me. And so Tim was kind of like the son that he always wanted. He would take him fishing. He would hire him to do like manual labor, <laughs> like cutting wood and stuff with him. Yeah. Um, growing up, he was just, he was always around. We went to school together for the first part of my public schooling. We went to school together. Um, we would play, we would do play dates. Like I would go over his house and play. He would come over our house. Um, until about this so he's a year older than me so until I was in second grade and he was in third grade and one day at school he just decided he told me he hated me and didn't want to be friends anymore <laughs> and that was it yeah for I now, you know that, and right? in, in his yeah in his defense it probably wasn't super cool to be friends with a girl at that point 
though you know touche yeah probably um, not. but i was mad i was big mad and i held on to that for about 15 years no not 15 years 10 no like eight years so like eight years that's what we call a grudge oh yeah your girl was salty <laughs> Every time he would come around after that, I would just be like, oh, Ew, gross. Kid. Yeah, why is he always here? Like, he's so weird. And I oh, like, I was, I didn't want any, any part of it. Um, so when I remember, change? go ahead. No, I um, went, so, I mean, you've been together forever. So when did that change? Did you guys, um, did you go out in high school? Um, we did. So at some point I changed my mind. So what I was going to say is it's actually funny. That same friend, Courtney, that I mentioned in middle school, somewhere buried in boxes of things. She has a copy of our eighth grade yearbook in which I signed her yearbook while I was riding in the truck with my dad, my now father-in-law and my now husband. And I was writing in her yearbook about how I was stuck in the back of this truck with this weird kid from down the street. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was like so mad about it that I was like writing about it in her yearbook and she has it somewhere. And I don't know, neither of us know where that's at. Um, But I think the turning point was I would have been 16. Um, He, my dad had him over working on, the basement they were like redoing the floor in our basement or something uh, my parents live in a the house was built in 1916 and it has like a Michigan basement which is like straight up dirt floors mm. um, it's a really old house and they had problems with the basement flooding so they were doing this big project in the basement working on the floors and so he was around for like a week straight and I had just had a birthday party when like every year my party I would have my birthday parties out in the garage Um, that particular year I decided to go with like a rock and roll type theme. So I took my little TV set out there with my PlayStation and my friends and I all played Guitar Hero. Um, and I still hadn't put my stuff away. Everything was still out in the garage and he was working on this project with my dad and, uh, he took a break and I was like, you want to play Guitar Hero? And he was like, sure, I guess. So we started playing this video game. You know, you, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It had like a guitars oh. that you would plug into the PlayStation and you oh, would have yeah. to like hit the note. Yeah. And like, um, yes, <laughs> the memory. Yeah, we played it. We played a game of that. And then my dad was like, yeah, get back to work and whatever. And then he went and like lived his life. And, and then um, I was like, that wasn't terrible. Like I, maybe he's not that bad. And then I didn't talk to him for a really long time after that. It would have been a couple months. When my mom and I got invited to his oldest sister's baby shower for her first baby, who is now 14 years old. And I don't even want to think about that. Time is going too fast. So I go with my mom to this baby shower and he's there at this baby shower. And I look at him and I'm like, baby showers are for girls. What are you doing here? (laughs) And he, he was like, whatever this is lame I don't want to be here I'm just here for the cake my mom made me come this is stupid and I was like oh, okay cool whatever and so he sits at my table and we're talking the whole time and you know we do the baby shower stuff we eat cake whatever and it's the end of the baby shower and he's still there 
And I was like, I thought you were just staying for cake. And he was like, shut up. And then after that, I think I went home and I asked my dad for his phone number because my dad had his number and I didn't. And uh, he gave it to me. And I think I just started texting him, harassing him probably. And it just snowballed from there. Mm -hmm. So at a baby shower, I guess, kind of. (laughs) Aw, that's so sweet. So what happens next? What happens after high school? What where do you what do you do? Where where do you go? So um an important I guess kind of an important part of our my story is before I graduated high school. So like I said Tim is a year older than me. Um so going into my in between my senior year well no, I the timeline I'm older than okay. Uh, Tim enlisted in the army. Okay. Um, he left for boot camp right after I started my senior year. So it would have been like October of 2009. So he, he signed up right after high school. He did. He joined right out of high school, um, against everyone's judgment. Like everyone was a hundred percent against this except him. Um, and, uh, so he, he left for basic training right, like, the month after I started my senior year. Um, and it was, like, so – it was, like, something out of a movie. It was, like, let like letters and, like, oh. having to, like – his mom would get phone calls and then she would tell me, like, how he's doing and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, like – it was – I think about it now and it was, like uh, – I don't know. I was like, I was 17 and he Nicholas just, Sparks he, here. yeah, he just went off to boot camp. Um, and, uh, couldn't hear from him. Couldn't, you know, and I have a box to this day of all those letters. I kept all of them. Um, it's like a, it's, it's like a sappy little movie. Aww, <laughs> as I'm thinking I love it. it. Um, yeah. So he was gone most of my senior year and about halfway through my senior year I it was getting ready for senior prom and I went with my mom and I picked out this dress and I loved it so much and he was going to be able to come home on leave and take me to my prom and it was going to be magical and just wonderful and I went and I picked out the dress and that same day I sent him a picture and I you know I said I can't wait to go to prom with you and he called me and said, yeah, about that. Mm. I'm so sorry, but uh, they're deploying me. Oh. And I won't be there. And oh. my, I, that was devastating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, not just because, like, I didn't have a date to the prom, but because, like, oh, that's, sure. that's terrifying. He had just gotten out of boot camp. Um, he was out of boot camp, I think, for, like, a month. Before they sent him over to Iraq for a mm. whole year, um, he was nineteen. He was he had like he was a baby. Yeah, not even. I think he turned nineteen while he was over there. Wow. So he was just a baby. We were both babies, and he was now he was going off to war. Like he was going to fight in a war and serving our country. Um, yeah, and it's that was 
a lot for oh, him yeah. and for me as a 17 year old to, um, and you know, none of my friends understood why we didn't just break up because that's crazy. He's not even here. Like you're missing out on living your, and I was like, no, I'm not like, I, I'm fine. Right. And I, I was, I, I finished high school. He came home like for Christmas. I think they let him come home for two weeks and he came home he had just missed my graduation party but he came home in the summer for like a mid-tour leave um and I just I spent that time writing letters and (laughs) finished school yeah and graduated and um I went to community college for the first year um I had every intention of becoming a nurse. That's what I was going to do. I was going to go get my associates of science in nursing and become a nurse. And that was the plan. And then I think God laughed or something. I believe he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, I believe he's got a sense of humor. And he was like, (laughs) that's cute. You made plans. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, about it. I've got a better one. Yeah, I've got a better one. And, uh. So I finished my first year at community college and then I decided, you know what? I don't think I want to be a nurse. Um, I want to be a teacher. I want to follow my heart, you know, because my, yeah. that was something my dad stressed with me a lot is that anytime I would say I wanted to teach, he'd be like, no, there's no teaching jobs in Michigan. Like that would be stupid. Stick with the medical field. There's always job opportunities And so I had it in my head that I wanted to be a nurse. And then I said, no, I don't want to be a nurse. I do want to be a teacher. So I transferred to Eastern Michigan University. um, And I had it. I was going to be a secondary, like a high school English teacher. I had it all figured out. Changed my major, everything. We were good to go. Um, And I did... A whole nother year, so two more semesters. And then the boy from down the street came home and asked me to marry him. Hmm. And so I did that instead. You did that instead. <laughs> okay. Well, it worked out. I did. Good. Yeah. It was a good um, plan. Yeah, it was it was a good plan while it lasted. Okay. Um, but God had a better one. So he he asked me to marry him. Hmm. Um, he, he, you know, Tim is such a old fashioned, like he went to my dad. He like snuck around behind my back, like went to my dad to ask for permission. And it was a whole thing. And, you know, at the time my dad said, well, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. But you guys are so young. Ask her to marry you. Sure. And if she says yes, then great. But and you guys need to wait a few years before you get married because you're so young. And so that was the condition. Like that was the condition that he got the blessing. Like that was what, you know, so he asked me to marry him. And of course I said, yes. Um, and that was the plan. We were going to wait a few years to get married because we were so young and he was still in the army and and it would be crazy to get married so young when we don't have anything figured out and and whatever um and so I went 
Now I had my own job. I was making, I, I was, wor- where was I working? I was working at Target. Um, and even with an employee discount, somehow I had enough money that I could afford to buy my <laughs> own plane ticket to take a trip out to Colorado to see him after we had gotten engaged. Um, cause he was stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado. And I went out to see him. I spent, it was just like a weekend during spring break. I went for a weekend and I was getting, I was in the, we were in the airport. He took me to the airport. I was getting ready to come back home and we were sitting in the terminal and just like watching the planes take off. And we, we had this moment where we stopped and we were like, why are we waiting for this? Like what, for what? We already know that we want to spend the rest of our lives together. Like why wait? Just because our parents are telling us to like, I love you and you love me. Like why, why wait? Um, and so I got it. We got it in our heads. We were like, yes, you know what? We are going to do this. We are going to get married when we want to. We are not going to wait. We're going to get married this year. And, um, (laughs) there was a brief moment where I thought to myself, what if I just don't get back on the plane? I just don't go home. What if I just stay here? But then I was like, no, that's too crazy. Um, Reel it in. I flew home. On the flight home, I wrote out a list of every argument. Like, when I went home and presented my parents with this new information, I knew that they were going to, I knew, I pretty much could predict everything that they were going to say about why I couldn't do it, why this would never work. And so I wrote out a counter argument for every single one of their arguments that they could have possibly given me. Um, and when I landed and we got home, I presented it like it was some kind of business meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, my mom wasn't, wasn't thrilled. My dad wasn't thrilled either, but he was kind of like, all right, well, Clearly, you've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and you are an adult. I was 19 by then. So they were like, well, if you're going to get married, let's do it the right way. Like, we're we're on board. Let's have a wedding. So Aww. that was February of 2012. We were married in July. <laughs> that same year. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys get married and then where do you end up after that like what what's next for you guys we we got married in Michigan he flew home okay. to get married um he flew home alone because the army did not approve the leave for his best friend slash best man um I don't remember what kind of trouble the guy was in he he did something stupid and as a punishment like they wouldn't clear him for leave uh, so he didn't, he couldn't come to the wedding. So we had to, um, we had to have a backup best man at the last minute. Um, <clears throat> we got married July 6th of 2012. And I think we were only in town for another few days after that. And I packed up <clears throat> my whole life and loaded it into my 2003 Chevy Cavalier that thing was a piece of junk (laughs) Uh, we hooked it up to a car hauler on the back of Tim's truck we hauled it all the way across the country to Colorado 
I never looked back. I mean, that was it. I loaded up my life and I went off with him to start a whole new adventure in Colorado um, because he was still stationed there. And we were just two kids. We had no idea what the future had in store for us. We had no idea what was going to happen next. We were just in love. And that was all that mattered. Yeah. (laughs) And it sounds so cheesy. um, But that's uh, that's really that's how it was. That's where we were at at that point. Yeah, that's how it feels when you're, you know, when you're newly married. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, I had never li- not lived, like I had went from living with my parents to married and then li- moving a thousand miles away. Yeah. Um, there was no in between. Like I never lived on my own without my parents, but also without a husband. Like I just jumped from one to one extreme to the other. Yeah. Um, And so all of a sudden I was trying to figure out how to like, be a wife when all of my friends back home were still in like the party hard college phase which like I was never that was never my thing yeah um and all of a sudden I was just like this this housewife at the time like I wasn't working I wasn't I was just at home in our little tiny apartment back when $500 a month for rent was dirt like I look back and I'm like man we were only paying 500 bucks a month for rent. That's crazy when it's oh, like $1,500 a month for rent now. Um, yeah, our crummy little sort of sketchy apartment right at the foot <laughs> of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado Springs. Um, we spent a year out there. We made some really good friends. Um, I went, you know, to a military ball. We hiked and camped and explored the mountains all the time it was it was I mean it was like our first whole first year of marriage was a honeymoon we didn't ever really go on a honeymoon right after we got married we just packed up and moved and we spent the next year in Colorado like I feel like the whole year was a honeymoon oh yeah Um, and then when he got out of the army I think within two weeks he had landed a security job, like a night shift security job, and he hated it because they used to always put him in a parking garage in downtown. It was like old Colorado City, I think is what it was called. And if you like, you know, my husband, so, you know, yeah. he's not a city guy. No, he doesn't like it. Mm-mm. So he was a security guard downtown in a city in a, a parking garage for a nightclub. Oh, yikes. Um, you know, he hated it. He hated it so much, but it was so important to him because like there was this point in time where like, especially more of like his parents, more his mom actually was kind of like, there was some skepticism about, you know, well, things are going to be really hard when you get out of the army and it's going to be really hard for you guys to make it and you're not going to have an income and like, what's going to happen then? Um, and we were like, you know what, we're going to figure it out. Don't worry. Uh, so he took that job and he kept it until we were kind of talking about it one day and we were like you know we're not ready to have kids right now but when we do want to have kids do we really want to have them and live so far away right because he was done with the military he wasn't gonna re-enlist so it was kind of like what do you do right right we were still on the military's dime. Like if we moved right then and there, they would still pay for it. So we were like, okay, this was fun. Let's go back home. There you go. <laughs> and so just like that, we, we packed everything back up and we drove all the way back home, um, back to Michigan. 
Oh man. So when when uh does Mason come along? Many, many years later. <laughs> um <laughs> the one thing I will say is that like we did get married very young. So I was nineteen, almost oh, okay. twenty. So he yeah. was twenty one time in between, right? Well, yeah, sure. We got married super young and I know a lot of people didn't understand that, but we waited five almost five years. No, we did five we did wait five years. Um, before kids became a really serious topic of conversation because Mason was born in 2017 our first son was born in 2017 so we had five years of of building a foundation and getting to know each other and building not getting to know each other but like it's different when you're married yes and like I had to learn how to live with a boy right oh (laughs) yeah yeah and it's you know when we spent those first five years really building us and then that's when the decision to have kids there was a lot of like are we ready are we not ready if you wait until you're ready you're never going to do anything um and then god did that thing that he does where he was like no you're ready (laughs) enter mason (laughs) and you're still living downstate at this point right you're living okay yep we um when we moved back from Colorado we moved in with my with Tim's parents for a few months until we could get back on our feet um and kind of get things situated and then we moved into another apartment and then um did that for like a year and then finally we're ready to buy a house so we bought a little three bedroom house in a teeny tiny not even half an acre fenced in lot um on a street with a bunch of like little cookie cutter houses that all looked exactly the same and it was a great starter home I'll say that yeah oh yeah um yeah it was a good starter home it wasn't what we wanted like long term but it was it was like a it'll do for now yeah it was a blessing at that point right it was a blessing at that point yeah um and so Mason, my, my, my firstborn, he is, <laughs> Mason is something else. Um, I love this kid more than, I mean, when you become a mother or become a parent, you, like you think, you know, love, but you don't, you don't know anything mm-hmm. until that baby um, comes into your life. And then you're just looking at them and, and love means something entirely different. Amen to that. <laughs> and um, I just, it seems like a lifetime ago. So he's going to be seven in March, but it seems like a lifetime ago that we were just bringing him home from the hospital and trying to figure out, like, now we have a baby. Like, now what? Right. <laughs> um, when we took Mason home from the hospital when he was born, I had the, the nurse that discharged me, her name was Amy, and I don't know where she is now, but, like, Amy, if you're listening to this, thank you. She not only loaded up my diaper bag with, like, everything that wasn't nailed down, um, she actually said, I'm going to leave the room to go get your paperwork. There's a bunch of stuff in this room. I'm not going to ask questions about where it is when I come back. And then, like, <laughs> winked. And I was like, okay. Got it. And then uh, I was kind of freaking out when we were getting ready to leave. 
And um, she looked at Tim and she said, okay, this is what's going to happen. She's fine now. You see, she's okay now. In a few days, those hormones are going to go crazy. And she's going to become someone that you might not recognize. But this is when she's going to need you the most. Um, if it should get better in a few weeks, if it doesn't, call the doctor. Because she might not. So keep an eye on her. And then she looked Mm -hmm. at me and said, you can do this. She said, I have seen a lot of idiots walk out of this hospital with babies and do just fine. And you are not an idiot. You've got this. (laughs) And I will never forget that. (laughs) She told you how it is, huh? You are not an idiot. You will be fine. (laughs) And then that was it. They They sent me on my way with this new tiny human to take care of. Oh, oh, and so what happens after Mason? How long are you guys? What is the difference in age between Mason and Miles? Almost four years. Okay. Um, and you lived down there I, the whole time. Yes, I. I didn't. I had a really hard time. Um becoming okay with the idea of like how can I ever love another child the way that I love this one yeah like there's no way there's I'm looking at this boy and I'm like there's no way that I can love anyone else the way that I love you it just wouldn't be fair right I know how can I possibly have another baby because it just won't and like I, I we had always kind of agreed the initial like agreement was like two kids seemed really reasonable I was raised an only child and Tim is number three of three and so we figured two was a good compromise yeah um but then once it came time to actually have conversations about like well is you know are are is this something like is this gonna happen like are we ready for this I like I freaked out and I was like no no I can't like I, I can't do it I can't do that to Mason like I can't give anyone else my attention and um and then like I I finally got to a point where I was like you know what no I think it'll be okay it'll be okay two kids it'll be it'll be fine and then the pandemic happened mm-hmm. I got one and of those I pandemic said, babies too <laughs> well and I said no way there's no way this is crazy the world is gonna end like we were disinfecting our groceries and like you'd go to the grocery store and then you come back on the back patio and like strip your clothes off and throw them right in the wash because so you were concerned Everyone was, yeah, I mean, it was like a thing, you know, like I said, we would, people were taking their groceries out of the packages and bringing them, we would bring laundry baskets out onto the back patio and empty anything that was in a box would come out of the box and then clothes had to come off outside. Like, yeah. And I was like, there's no, there's no way I can have a baby now. Like, this is terrifying. The whole world's going to end. I can't do this. And God said, yes, you can. And that's when we found out that we were <laughs> going to have Miles. Aww. Um, and I was working in healthcare at the time. And so I was pregnant and working in a hospital at a time where COVID, there, like no one knew. There were so many unanswered questions about how dangerous this was, how dangerous this was for pregnant women. Um, I would go to work every day and have absolute anxiety attacks, like where I would call Tim in tears crying saying like I just want to come home I can't be here like I don't want to get it 
Mm. I'm afraid for me. I'm afraid for our baby. And so like he was packing notes in my lunches every day and stuff that would say like, you've got this. Mason loves you. I love you. You're going to be safe. Like he really got me through it. Aww. Um, and yeah, so then, then, then comes Miles, um, who is that second child energy. So he is two things. He is a second child and he's a pandemic baby and they are just built different. It's true. It's true. He is just wild. He is the light of my life, but he is just wild and fearless mm-hmm. and he's just a whole different I don't know. I love him so much. He saved his soulmate. I believe that. I believe that that's true. And if our children end up getting married one day, I would not be mad about it. <laughs> I mean, their their crazy is pretty like decently matched. I feel like. Yeah, they just yell at each other and like growl at each other. And basically, yeah, they're both kind of like Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. Exactly. Yeah. From the from like the nineties. Yeah. They're both basically, it's a whole vibe. Yeah. They're like, we can, we can get through this pandemic. Don't worry about us. We, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, Miles was the second, the second born. Um, and how was that after? How was um, postpartum after Miles? Yeah, that's, this is the, the, the kind of the turning point in my story. So after Miles was born, that's when I hit. I reached a point where I would hit my rock bottom. Um, this is for if if you are listening to this and you are expecting a baby, maybe it's your first go around. Um, my words of warning are: please, please, please pay attention to your feelings. It is so hard because you're trying to take care of this brand new little person. And it's so easy to forget to take care of yourself, but it is so mm-hmm. important to pay attention to how you're feeling um, because things can get really scary really fast or find or make sure that someone is paying attention to your feelings if you aren't able to. Um, I had, I think after my first baby, I think I did have some postpartum depression, but it wasn't anything unmanageable. I think I chalked a lot of it up to just having a first time like new baby and I didn't really think a whole lot of it. And it kind of went away sure. um, after Mason was born. And, and, and the so I didn't blues, really think a whole lot. Right. right. Um, but after Miles, it was completely different. Um, it got scary. I had two beautiful, beautiful boys. I was, they were healthy. I was healthy. Like everything should have been going great. Um, But it was just like something that I had no control over. I just didn't see a point in existing I mean it was like the worst kind of depression that you can have mm. where it, it, it reached a point where um I I mean there's no no, no nice way to put it I just did not want to be alive anymore mm. um like I couldn't see like the logical part of my brain knew that like yes I had these children that you know needed me or whatever but then the depression 
what I can also see now was <laughs> Satan was saying, no, like, they'll be better off without you. Aww. Because you can't even keep it together well enough to be the kind of mom that they deserve. And I just kind of felt myself slipping. It was kind of like going underwater. And, like, you can see the surface, but yeah. you can't you can't get there. Um, and a and different it, world, sort of. Yes. And I, it didn't, I mean, our marriage, I think, had reached kind of a bad point at that point, too. I was so deep in the depression that I couldn't even begin to try to articulate my feelings because in my head it didn't matter. And he either, he was working third shift at the time. Like we were living completely separate lives basically. And he either wasn't able to, or wasn't willing to maybe a combination of both like hear my needs. So it was just a bad combination of things. So I felt like I really was alone at that point. And I, I, it was just uh, the only way I can describe it is rock bottom. I just, I really didn't, I didn't care to be alive anymore. I would, it was to the point where I would just go to bed at night and cry and try to think of what would be the best way for me to not be here anymore. Um, and I look back at that and it's hard not to get emotional about like just knowing that I was ever in that place. Oh yeah. Um, that's a, it's still a really hard pill to swallow that I was ever there because I can't now, like, I can't imagine not being here for my children or for my husband or any, like, I can't imagine not being where I am right now. What was um, it that, like, was there something that you needed in your life that you felt like you didn't have at that point? Well, I can see it now. It was, it was God. I, like, I needed Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, so what hat like what brought you to Jesus? So I think like I, I kind of reached a breaking point where um I had like a kind of a come to Jesus moment where like our it was two things happening at once. My mental health was deteriorating and our marriage was also deteriorating outside of that. And I, we reached a point, my, Tim and I, where um, we actually reached a point, I, it's important to talk about, but it's, we reached a point where we took like two weeks and we actually separate, like he went and stayed um, at his parents' house and I stayed at our house and we, um, the boys went back and forth because I just felt like we just weren't hearing each other. And I was like, I was trying so hard to explain to him what I needed and he just wasn't hearing it. And I just felt like it wasn't going to get any better. So finally I had had enough and I said, I can't do this anymore. Like we need to do a trial. Like we need to do a trial separation. Um, and so we did, and it was horrible. It was awful. Um, you know, dropping the boys off with him, I would just cry my eyes out. Um, it was it was horrible. Oh yeah, that two week period was like the longest two weeks of my life. Um, and that was around the turning point, also, where I decided that I couldn't keep going the way I was going without help. So right. oh, yeah. I called my OBGYN and I said, 
I am really scared of the way that I'm feeling. I, I need help. And so she prescribed me an antidepressant. And she also had someone from the office contact me and set me up with a therapist. Um, I 100% believe that that was God saying, don't give up. I was ready to throw in the towel and he said, no, nope, you are not. Um, you might need a little bit of help to get there, but you're not done fighting yet. So don't, don't give up. Um, and that's, the, it, it was all happening at the same time. So like with our marriage, that, that whole two week separation, that's when things came to a head and we finally got back. We both came to the house and there was this whole big conversation about what are we doing here? Are we, have we really grown apart this much where it's not fixable? Like, are we going to stay together? Are we going to get a divorce? It was just tears and anger. And it was so much of like me trying to explain what I needed. And then for the first time in months, I think he actually heard what I was saying. We had this moment of where he was like, well, I thought that you just needed some space to figure these things out. And I was like, no, that's the opposite of what I needed. I needed to know that you were here. And so there was this moment of understanding where it just clicked for both of us. And we were just kind of like, what the heck have we been doing? Because it was like we were in our own separate worlds for so long. We had drifted so far apart. Um, and there was just this like light bulb moment of like, what? How did we get here? Yeah. And so um, it's, I, I don't really know how to describe it after that. I think like, I, it's just, it's like a light bulb going off. And so I, st I, I stuck with the therapy. I stuck with the antidepressants. Um, we never went to counseling. We, I mean, it might've benefited us at that point. Um, might've, it probably would have benefited us to try to seek counseling from a pastor or something but at the time that wasn't a huge part of our life either so um we just worked harder really hard yeah. at trying to I worked harder at trying to communicate my needs better he worked really hard at trying to hear me um there was a point where I communication. was so you needed that communication with each other Yes. Um, there was a point and I'm, I'm not super proud of this. I'm not proud of it at all, but, um, there was a point where I think I was so just unwell and so insecure about myself and about our marriage that I was, um, pretty regularly going through his phone and, and he knows this, this isn't, this isn't, you know, it's not something we love to dwell on, but it's something that we're aware of. And, um, I saw in his Google search history, how to help someone you love with, depression mm -hmm. and that is the last thing that I was expecting to find in his search history at that point given the way things had been going in our marriage um but just seeing that like he took the time to like read some things about how to help a loved one who's going through this it just that spoke volumes oh, um yeah because you know someone cares you know your husband is trying he's doing you know all that he knows how to do Yes. And we're two very different people in the way that we handle things. He's a lot better about handling things like internally than I am. So I, I can understand where he didn't 
know why I was having such a hard time with this because he wouldn't have he he wouldn't have had a hard time with it the way that right. he handles it. Um, so the last couple years, I mean, that year that would have been twenty twenty one was a just a huge year of growth for us. And obviously, you needed some chickens in your life. Clearly, yes. Um, I needed a, <laughs> some. I needed a northern lot. Michigan air, huh? Yeah. Um, the idea of moving up north was something that he had tried for a long time to get me to do. He would just casually drop it in conversation, or like casually send me a Zillow listing and be like, "Look at this. Like, this could be us." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" How could we make a life up there? Like, there's no jobs up there. It's the middle of nowhere. All it does is snow. Like, that's crazy. And I wouldn't do it. Um, Why are we married to the same person? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Probably because we're the same person. No, maybe. Um, But I... um, I finally, like, we... were Things were going so well, and we revisited that topic again like we had just quite literally it felt like gone to hell and back and we were like something needs to change um but what and so that's kind of where we had this idea of like we need let's have a fresh start in in every sense of the word like let's pursue our like a dream of having property and raising animals and like let's do the thing yeah Um, and so I look back at that whole period of time and I know that that was God without any doubts making moves in our life. The way that even the simplest details fell right into place the way that they needed to, to get us up here. It was like tiny miracle after tiny miracle, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like finding a storage unit. We needed to get all our stuff into a storage unit and no units had anything available. And then one day, one night we were driving up here to go look at houses and I happened to check online at the storage unit closest to where we live now. And they just happened to get a new shipment of containers in that, that night. Mm. So I hurried up and booked one. So we had a storage unit and then um, one of Tim's coworkers just happened to have like a big, trailer that he lent us for free to be able to haul all of our stuff in and then my dad just happened to know someone who had a cottage on a lake nearby where um tim was applying for jobs or interviewing for jobs i should say um so we had a rental home like everything was falling into place for us to do this and i it was absolutely god saying you were on the wrong path this is the right path Let's go. Yeah. Get going. And, <laughs> yep. And so we went. A little kick in your butt, huh? Yep. It is exactly what I needed. And not a day goes by that we don't stop and think about how truly blessed we are. And if a few years ago you would have told me that this is where my life would be, I, I would have laughed. I, there's no yeah. way I would have believed it. And amazing. Yeah. So what? Uh, so what? How? How are you like your faith, like what, what happened? Well, I think even at the time, even when those little like miracles were happening, I I don't think I didn't see it as God working in my life. Sure. Still. Um, I mentioned before I was 
raised in the Catholic Church. Um, but I believe that it was more of a sense of obligation. Um, my grandparents, my my mom's parents were devout Catholics. Mm-hmm. And so she was raised Catholic. And in turn, she raised me Catholic because it's what they wanted. Right. But I went to catechism like every Wednesday, but I didn't, we didn't go to church on Sundays. It was never like a really consistent thing. So I never really understood why I was doing any of it. We didn't talk about it at home. We didn't pray at home. It wasn't, it just, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. So like, it was never an issue of me. Like I believed in God. There were still questions that I had, you know, like the, if there's a God and God is so good, then why do children get cancer and and things like that? Um, but there was never like a moment of like, I don't believe in God. It was just like a, in the back seat kind of thing. Um, questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to have questions, you know? And so I think, even even then, when all of these things were finally going right, it, it at the time didn't occur to me that this was God saying, listen to me. Like, I'm putting you on a path to get you to where I need you to be. Um, I think the turning point, honestly, you were a big part, you were a big part of it in the sense that um, you encouraged me to to go to the first bible study there's also a conversation between you and i and our friend emily who we will absolutely get on this podcast um and i think it was we were talking about somehow we got on the subject of church and emily had also said that she had been going to church and that was kind of that was something i didn't know about her at that point either she had recently started going and that got me to thinking like could there be something here? Like, am I missing something? And so that's right around the time that I think you invited curiosity. Curiosity. Yeah. Um, I think that was right around the time when you invited me to one of the tab women Bible studies. And I went, I was hesitant because I was like, I don't know anything about the Bible regardless of the fact that it's in the name Bible study, like that's the whole point (laughs) is to learn. But I was like, I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't remember any of the things I was taught. I only know one person. This is going to be horrible. Like I, I, what am I doing? But I went anyway. And I have never felt so welcomed (laughs) and just accepted and like loved. I, I, I don't know how to explain it other than that was God tapping me on the shoulder and saying like, see, told you. Yeah. Kind of see it. Like that's how much God loves you, you know, like a little taste of how much he loves you. Yes. And I just plugged in from there. Mm -hmm. I remember going home and being so like geeked about it. And Tim was like, well, how did it go? And I was like, so excited to tell him about it. And he was like, well, do you want to like try to go to a service on Sunday? This was a Wednesday. And he's like, do you want to go Sunday? And I was like, yes, let's (laughs) do it. So we loaded up the boys and we went to church. And I don't remember the entire service. But I remember towards the end. Pastor John. Is that the one you were talking about? Yep. Yep. He was talking about um, if you 
feel like you've strayed away from Christianity if you feel like you are a sheep who's lost its flock. Um, he said something about like stand. I want you to stand. Mm, and yes. um, there was this moment where like Tim and I kind of exchanged a look and like I nodded and we stood up. And I have such goosebumps. I was like, what is happening right now? Like just the fact that this is the first service that we chose to go to. This is what he's talking about. And like, this is us. We're lost sheep and we need a flock. And it just clicked. Like, this is God. This is God. And this is what he's done in my life. Now it was like an aha moment. Like all these things finally made sense that this was him talking in my life. That the things I had gone through were because it was part of his plan for me. And and that's such a wild, like, epiphany mm-hmm. to have. It's been the best epiphany to have. Oh. And now you know that they also really love pie. Yes. That was also <laughs> something that was preached about in that first sermon yeah. with pie. <laughs> And probably Jeeps also. I feel like Jeeps. they mentioned yes. something about Jeeps. It's always either Jeeps or pie. It is. Yeah. Or Chick-fil-A. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been. In other words, you're loving it. I am loving it. I went to my first ever women's retreat mm. this past spring. You encouraged me to go and, and plug in there too. And that was amazing. And I can't wait for the next one. Um, and it was, it's all God, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, with you and when you're inviting people to do things or you're, you know, you're just giving your yes and God's doing it, you know, it's all God. Absolutely. It's all God. And I believe that it's God that brought us together too, because that of all the people that I could have connected with. And I think we talked about this in in the first episode about how I posted in a Facebook group looking for friends. Yeah. Um, I, God knew (laughs) that we needed each other. Yeah. God knew that we needed each other because he knew that you would be such an instrumental part in getting me back on track and finding him again. So, well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) We appreciate each other. So I think that's important, huh? It is. And I love, I mean, I think one of the best things about our, I mean, there's so many amazing churches, but I mean, for us in our situation, our church is that like, man, like you really do love the people, you know? And, but not only that, you want to tell other people about it. You want to tell other people about Jesus because you are getting like such inspiration when you're there that it like, it sets you up for the week. Absolutely. It's hard not to. Um, And I know it's something that like I know like my my parents, well my mom like I know she doesn't she doesn't 100% understand you know because she's not a practicing Catholic nor is she a churchgoer at this point. Um, But I think there was some confusion, not confusion, a little bit of surprise maybe when they found out that I had started going to church again because it was just such a, it was just so unlike me. Like that's, I had never shown interest sure. in it as an adult. Um, 
like we had Mason baptized as a baby because at the time my mom had said, you know, it's, it's a, it's a matter of salvation. If right. you don't have him baptized and something bad happens to him, like he'll, he'll go to hell because he wasn't baptized mm. and being in that vulnerable, like first time mom stage. Like I, I agreed to do it, even though it didn't feel, didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and so, like, Mason was baptized, but even that, you know, and we went to church for a little while after that, maybe two services, two masses, I guess, after that. Okay. And it still didn't, it didn't click then either. So I think it was a big, it was kind of a shock to my parents to see me plug in like that. Yeah. Um, but I have taken every chance that I have yeah. gotten to explain to them that. You did something you know, pretty big this summer, church. too, huh? And you had your you had your boys dedicated at church, which was awesome. And then you did, did something this this summer, didn't you? I did. Um, I made the decision to get baptized. Um, I looked at it as when I was in my darkest corner, where I wanted to give up and I didn't want to be alive anymore god gave me his yes by saying absolutely not it's not this isn't no you can't quit and so it was a no-brainer it was the easiest yes i have Mm -hmm. ever given i love Um, that yeah and so i made the decision to to get baptized on my own i was baptized as an infant but i made the decision as an adult um to outwardly express my inward faith hmm. I love and I'm that. so glad I did that's really beautiful Rachel <laughs> honestly you. it really it really is to you know because then you can look, kind of look back on your life and see all these different you know times and all these different situations and you know you kind of have to wonder like man I can see God in that a little bit you know like or I can see Yeah, and there's still some things that um, that I'm still trying to figure out. Like, um, in so two years ago, yeah, two years ago, I think now, geez, um, I was finally at 29 diagnosed with ADHD, which made a whole lot of things make sense about the way that I am and the way that I always have been. Um. But that's one of those things that I'm trying to understand, like, okay, I'm like talking to God. I'm like, okay, but why though? Like, there's got to be a reason that I'm hardwired this way. What is it? Because right now it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's just chaos. But I know that you're, you know, you don't make mistakes. So like, <laughs> no, what, 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 why, why, why this, why me? Um, and it's not a, it's not a mistake. You know, it is absolutely no. not a mistake. It's all it is, is, you know, I mean, my husband has, you know, diagnosed ADD. It's just a little part of you that makes you super fun, right? That's how you got to think about it. It makes you spicy. That's all it is. Um, Well, and even that, that's like a, um, there's, that's part of what I'm still figuring out is that, but also understanding that, like, I don't, I don't have to know. No, you don't have to know. Why he made me this way he made me this way obviously for a reason I haven't exactly figured out what that reason is or even really how to manage it 
Like but, it will give you a headache <laughs> if you keep yeah. trying to figure it out, you know, and it's like, exactly. I can ask you'll when go I crazy. Get to heaven, right? Yep. You'll go crazy trying to figure it out. Um, totally. But I just, I don't know. I see God in so many places in my life. Um, even, even the fact that I'm here in, in a lot of ways, yeah. and the fact that I'm here one, when I didn't want to be and two, um, I originally, I wasn't supposed to be here. Um, I, I was adopted at birth. That wasn't, that wasn't my birth mother's plan at first, um, mm. without going into a whole lot of, of that. Um, she had a choice to make. She made the choice that she wasn't, she was going to terminate the pregnancy. This just wasn't something that she wanted or was prepared to deal with and so she had made the choice to you know that was the route she was going to take and then at the last minute she changed her mind oh wow um chose adoption and here i am (laughs) that was like no no and no (laughs) yeah no we need this one yeah you got she's got stuff to do you know I don't know what that stuff is yet. I still haven't figured that out, but I trust him that, you know, I'm, yeah. I thank her for yes. making the decision she made. And I also thank him for guiding her in that yeah, to choose life. Yeah. Um, Cause to I, you, uh, you know, obviously I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been here without that. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. Oh, Rachel, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share it. I mean, there I've I've talked for a long time tonight. There was a lot of stuff and I feel like I haven't even covered all of it, but you know what? All in due time. <laughs> that's right. There's a lot more podcasts in our future. Yes. Mm. And um, with that, we have decided that going forward, our day will be Thursdays, that we will release the podcast. And the the next podcast, we kind of wanted to make kind of fun, right? I think we wanted to get some questions going. Wasn't that right? Yes. Um, we have done two heavy hitters back to back. We've done the life stories. Um, and... So you're saying that we have that we have really sad stories and we need some happy is what you're saying. I wouldn't say sad. No, I think they're happy and I think they're I think they're perfect. I think they're our yeah. life stories are exactly the way that they're supposed to be. Um, but I think it's a good time for in like a little intermission of some lighthearted stuff. Um and we're gonna dive right into the um kind of more into like the virtues of like what is a proverb like the proverbs 31 woman yeah. um and everything but in between like i would love to do some questions from the listeners um and we're gonna have some some friends on to help us out with this i think yes we've been blessed with some really amazing people um in our circle in our life lives um and I think they have a lot of really great stuff to contribute. So we're definitely going to get them. We're going to rope them in and get them on here. Yeah. We're coming after you, Emily. Yep. We're coming for you. The two. She doesn't know that yet. Totally. But yeah, oh. they, they will. They will now. They will now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. Only if they want to. Only if they want to. Regardless, we are so blessed with all of the people in our life. And, oh, we love them. Yes. I never imagined that I would have so many people. I went from the kind of person who was like, I don't really need friends. Like, I've got my husband. It's fine. Um, To having such a great circle of women who genuinely look out for one another and care for one another and inspire one another as like moms and wives and like daughters of Christ all in one. So blessed. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Well, with that, I think we're, we're good, huh? I'm talked out. I'm talking. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, I guess we will close out with again, just saying thank you so much for taking the time and, you know, listening to us. I know a lot of you have small children, us included, and we know how hard that can be to kind of like curve out this time. And, but just in general, like it, it's just, we really appreciate you. So we will see you on the next podcast. Thanks guys.